Well, hello everyone, and you're so welcome to Lighthouse Church. For those of you who are part of our church family, it's so good to see you, to have you here online and in the room. And to those of you who are new, a very special welcome to all of you. We are, of course, at the very end of a six-week series that we have been doing called Nothing Really Matters. Over the last six weeks, we've been asking the question, how do we stay centered in our crazy world? And if you just jumped in for the first time, don't worry. All of the messages are on our YouTube channel, on our website. And as always, all of today's notes will be in the Bible app uh, by version. But before I jump into the last message, heads up that next Sunday we start a brand new series here at Lighthouse. And it is called Secret Sauce. You know, you go to like Eddie Rockets or your favorite burger place or meat place have this incredible secret sauce. Some of you maybe like me have your own secret sauce. It, it just is the hidden factor in what makes something so good. And what we want to talk about starting next Sunday is the secret sauce of the Christian life. What it means to be a Christ follower, to follow Jesus every single day in terms of discovering the power of daily devotions. If you're someone and you've been a Christ follower for a while but you feel disconnected or you feel like you're just not getting as much out of this as you should be getting or you feel a bit powerless or worn out or worn down, let me encourage you, do not miss part one next Sunday. Or if you're not a Christ follower, not a person of faith, but you're curious, you're interested, you're coming on Sunday, you're seeing the service, but want to really know what's in the roots of this thing, I want to really encourage you to be here for part one starting next Sunday. Secret sauce, uh, don't miss it. But of course, back to our series. So as we close up today's series, let me just give you a little bit of a recap as to why we're talking about this and where we are. One of the things we've realized in the last couple of years with pandemics, with inflation, with war, with all the personal things happening within us, is that it's so easy to lose our balance in life when things around us are crazy. Like when you're out just walking normally and it's raining and it's slippy or it's icy or it's windy, physically speaking, it's easy to lose your balance, get knocked off rhythm and sometimes we can fall. But when the storm around us and the storm within us are simultaneously crazy, I mean, even the best of us, even the strongest of us, even the most emotionally spiritual secure in this place today, it's so easy for us to lose our footing, so easy for us to lose our grip. It's so easy for us to lose our way. And some of you right now online in the room, that's where you're at. You're in a place where you think I should not be here. I should not be where I am. And as you think about, you know, as you were growing up, you didn't dream about being in this place. You, you, your ambition in life wasn't to be, you know, where you are right now. And the truth is, it's because many tests, many trials, much craziness has gone on that has caused you to end up where you are. And eventually, over time, as we keep going through this crazy cycle of losing footing and losing grip and losing our way, it can result in us getting to a place where we almost just mentally or emotionally or even spiritually give up because we feel abandoned and we feel you know apathetic towards life towards God towards people and some of us come on we're just angry we're angry because we're not happy things have turned out the way they have and we wish we hope things were better and of course this leads us to a place where just like in the infamous Bohemian Rhapsody Queen song where it seems like nothing really matters. We've been so hurt by school, so hurt in our marriage, so, you know, uh, so much bad news about our health, so, you know, so much scandal and, and, and mistrust with our faith that when it comes to our general future, our general being, we just have this feeling like nothing really matters. So the question we've been asking over six weeks is, well, what does God say? 
What does God say about our future? What does God say to our faith? What does God speak about our health, our marriage, our school, and everything else that's important to us? What are the values? What are the, the tent pegs that can keep us nailed down, that, that can secure us, that can anchor us when the storm around us and the storm within us are raging even simultaneously. And so back in week one, we look at the subject matter of faith and how faith is a confidence, that, that faith allows us to reach up and to reach out to God, to trust Him, because we know our confidence in God will not be put to shame. We learned in week two about the power of community, that when we're connected in community, life is just better when we're connected to other people, especially in the context of the church. We learned in week three that, our, that the peace that God offers us, the peace that is spoke about in Scripture, isn't a circumstantial peace. It isn't a peace that only we can experience when, when things are calm, but it's a peace in all circumstances. We learned uh, in week four about the power of generosity, generosity. That generosity isn't just about charity. It's about Christianity. And generosity isn't just about those who receive what we're giving, but generosity has a power, powerful effect on and in us. And of course, last week, we looked at love, how despite so, so much of our experience being that the love of the world, the love of other people lets us down, we can count on the love of God because the love of God will never ever let us down. It's never let me down, anyone I know down, and it will not let you down. As we close the series then, we're going to close off looking at the subject matter of hope. Because hope, in a sense, is like the, is like the rope that binds these things together, the thing that connects each one of these values, these pegs, uh, these, these truths, so that when the storms around us and within us are raging, we can stay centered. Let me tell you a story about a, a few weeks ago when I was in the state of South Carolina. I was over there for a, for a conference. A few of us know from our church. We're part of this amazing family called the ARC, A-R-C, Association of Relay Churches. And what the ARC does, not, not like Noah's ARC, but an ARC with a C, is, is the ARC is a church planting network. And I don't know if you know this, but 2% of every single thing you give to Lighthouse Church goes to help starting new life-giving churches like the one that we have in our Dublin location all over Ireland. In fact, this year we will plant two more art churches, which will take the total number of art churches in Ireland since Dublin was the first, our Dublin location, to eight churches. How incredible is that, everybody? Well, when I was at the uh, art conference a few weeks ago, I was in traffic and I could not help but notice that on the back of the number plate, okay, in America, every state has a different number plate, different brand, a different motto, okay? And when I was in South Carolina, I couldn't help but notice this statement which says, while I breathe, I hope, and I wasn't sure if it was a custom play as in it was an individual or it was everywhere, but as I got, you know, to spend time on the ground there, I noticed every single car with a South Carolina plate had this incredible saying, when I breathe, I hope. And as I began to ask around as to where this, this statement came from, most attributed to uh, Cicero, a Latin thinker, uh, and of course it, 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 the exact statement is, is his. But the reason why the people, the state of Southern Carolina, chose this thing is because they've gone through so much in their history, segregation, slavery, you know, invasion, tornadoes, flooding. I mean, they've just been battered. And what they've learned is that as, as long as there's breath in our lungs, as long as we're still breathing, there is the possibility of hope. And what I want to say to you today is even though you may feel like everything is hopeless, like you're hopeless, like the world is hopeless, like life is hopeless, I want to say to you that as long as you're still breathing, there is hope. Now, I know there's a bit of a tension in this because 
But the problem with hope is, is, is we're always at this tension with, can I believe in the future? Should I believe in the future? Or who should I believe in to guarantee my future? And the truth is, when you think about your marriage or your kids or your career or whatever it is you're battling with right now, the tension we experience, as one uh, author said, your, the, the biggest battle or your worst battle is between what you feel and what you know. What you feel and what you know, because our feelings are a whole world in and of themselves, but also what we know to be true will be, pr- will be proven true in the end. But the problem is, is what do we do in between? What do we do in the middle? What, what does God say to us as we close up this series over the subject matter of hope that will help us, that will give us confidence, that will give us assurance, that will speak to us in a practical way that we can leave this place today feeling more hopeful? So the question is, how does hope center us in our crazy world? I want to jump straight in. I want to give you three ways, three ways hope centers us in our crazy world. Here's the first one, number one. The first one you to see is that hope appoints. Hope appoints. Now, we think of the word appoint, we often think of appointment, like we're going to a meeting or someone has been appointed to a position. But I want you to think about uh, the word appoint today, not in so much a meeting or in a positional sense, but more of, uh, as the opposite of disappointment, right? Because when we think of hope, one of the tensions we face in the battle of feeling and reeling, reality, feel and real, uh, is of course the tension of disappointment. And all of us has, have experienced disappointment. Maybe for some of us, that's why we're in church today, because we're so disappointed we had nowhere else to go. If that's you, let me tell you, well done. This is the best decision you'll ever, you'll ever have made to come to this place and open your heart to God. But the point is, all of us experience the disappointment of unmet hope or unmet expectation. Now, the English dictionary defines hope, uh, disappointment as a failure to fulfill expectations are, watch this, wishes. So disappointment is defined as a failing to fulfill expectation or wishes. And we, we kind of know this intuitively, we, we've experienced this, that because we have expectations, we are often let down. You know what it is to be let down, right, by a parent, by a spouse, by a friend, by the system, by the government, by the world, maybe by God. And it's those feelings of being let down that can lead us in this dark downward spiral into disappointment. And so much of our mental health crisis worldwide and so much of the spiritual crisis in our world right now is, is, is being driven by this sense of disappointment. And so what does our world say? What's the world's motto? The world's motto is, well, because this is true, because of expectation we are let down, that the, re- the way you can survive life is simply by expecting Less. Expect less. Don't expect great things. Don't, 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 don't expect a great thing. Don't dream. Don't, don't have faith because at the end of the day, if you have expectations, you will be let down. The problem is, of course, is, is that the God's Word speaks a different message. Where the world says expect less, God says hope for more. Where the, where the world says, you know, don't, don't allow, don't lift your eyes, don't look up, don't dream, don't think, don't, don't put your faith in God or anyone else. The Word of God says we should hope for more. See, the opposite of disappointment is to appoint. The opposite of being disappointed is to be appointed. And when we understand that hope appoints, hope makes possible a reality, hope makes possible our expectation, then all of a sudden the whole thing begins to invert. Why? Because of, rather than of expectation being let down, because of expectation, we are built up. 
You see, you see there's, a, there's, a, there's a challenge here, and I'll break it down in the next point, as to what the world's hope actually is. But when we have real hope, when we have hope according to God, when we have the hope that God's Word speaks of, it's an expectation that never lets us down, but because it is and we believe it to be true, we are built up. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 in the NCV version, it says this, and this hope will never disappoint us. Never. Because God has poured out His love to fill our hearts. He gave us His love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given us. In other words, because God has given us faith and community and God has given us His peace and because we're being generous and because the, the love of God has filled our hearts as we, as we trust in Him, as we hold to Him, as we lean into the hope that He offers us, the hope of God, Paul says in his letter to the Romans, will never, ever disappoint us. Hope doesn't disappoint. The hope of God, by definition, appoints. Now, it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the famous speaker, pastor, leader, and human rights activist who said, we must accept finite disappointment. In other words, there's a part of the human existence which guarantees that we are going to be disappointed. Things are going to disappoint us. And there is a truth in which we should when it comes to expectations of other people, expectations of the government, expectations of just the world. We should have an accurate perspective on what's really a healthy expectation. But when it comes to God, when it comes to faith, when it comes to the person of Jesus, yes, we should accept finite disappointment, but we should never lose our infinite hope. That even though everything around us falls and fails, even though the world around us and the world within us is crazy, the hope that we have from God, the infinite, never-ending, eternal, everlasting hope of God will never let us down. You may be disappointed because the appointment, the thing you wanted, the thing you hoped for, the thing you wished for may not have happened, but God has a better appointment. God has, God, God has a better place, position that He wants you to be in. And where, where the world's version of hope disappoints, God's version of hope always appoints. The second thing I want you to see is this. Hope not only appoints, but hope also assures. Hope assures us. Now, what is the definition of assurance? Well, the definition of, of assurance is kind of like insurance. It is a promise or a pledge, a guarantee, a surety, a freedom from doubt. Again, I, I kind of get this because I don't know if you guys noticed, but before I um, was a pastor, I worked in retail. I was a manager of a retail, retail store. And back then it was very common, a lot more common than it is in these days, for people to pay a deposit like you would in a car or like you would in a house. Someone would come to the shop and they'd pick up a, a garment, a jersey, let's say, or their favorite sports team, and they would come to the counter and say, I'd like to place a deposit on this. Now what that meant in that, in that moment was they were saying, I'm promising or pledging to buy it. Which, you know, in and of itself, someone coming and saying, hey, I really want to buy this shirt. Will you keep it for me? Well, no. But by putting a deposit on it, 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 it served as a guarantee. It's like, I'm going to give you some money now as a guarantee that I will come back, pay in full, and take what is mine? And what's so interesting is, is that even though in that moment, technically, like was it sold or unsold, we as a, we as a business, we as a, as, a, as a retail store, we would take that item, we'd prostrate the till, and we'd put in a special rack out the back that, that those items could not be touched or could not be resold. Because, because even though they're in the shop, even though they're still in the store, they belonged to someone else. There was a guarantee that these things had a promise and a purpose attached to them, and these things could not be sold. The same way, hope 
acts like a guarantee. It's a guarantee that even though we live in this world, even though we're in the in-between space, even though we're in the tension, right, of what we feel and what can be real, there's a guarantee, there's a guarantee attached to the hope that God gives us that what he says of us and about us and over us will come to pass. Like we've just learned, that hope does not disappoint. Now again, this hope that we're speaking of is different to the world's understanding of hope. Why? Because the world's understanding of hope is a hoping for the best, right? And we see it all the time, like, hey, so are you hopeful about this, this final coming up? Are you hopeful about your exams for all you leaving certain junior cert students? Are you hopeful for your, your car test? Are you hopeful for... And, and people kind of go, yeah, I'm hoping. But what they mean is I'm hoping for the best, which let's be honest, when people say I'm hoping for the best, what they actually mean is, is I'm wishing for the best. They're not really hoping they're wishing because, because wishing is, well, we're just going to see how it goes. And if it works out great, then that's fantastic. If it doesn't work out great, that's fantastic. That is not hope. That is wish. And hoping does not equal wishing. Hoping and wishing are different. Wishing is kind of tossing a line out there. It's, it's casting a net. It's, it's, just, it's just giving it a go to see what happens. There's no real conviction. There's no real confidence. There's no real assurance attached to the expectation. But hope, by nature, by definition, definitely scriptural hope, has a confidence. It is backed by conviction. There's a sense in where we don't hope in vain or hope for the best. We hope in the assurance that he who promised us is faithful and will give it. It was the Reverend Adrian Rogers who said, scriptural hope is not wishful thinking like the world's hope. No, scriptural hope is a rock-solid assurance. It's a rock-solid assurance. Hope, the hope that we speak of scripturally is a guarantee. The hope that God offers us is a guarantee not only for our faith and for our family, but it's a guarantee for the future. I don't just mean the finite future, the 60, 70, 80 years that we will live on earth by God's grace and according to His will, but the infinite future, eternity. Hope is a guarantee that God will be faithful in eternity. Now, we know the difference. Why? Because wishful thinking is saying something like, well, I'm going to walk down to the bus stop, and if I get the bus, that's great. We say we're hoping to catch the bus, but what we mean is, we're hope, is that we're, we're wishing. But like, think about every day, how every one of us usually go to bed, and we set an alarm clock, right? Because we have kids, and we have school runs, or maybe you're going to school because you are the kid, or we have work, or whatever it is. Every single night, with no guarantee whatsoever, you're going to wake up in the morning, you set your alarm clock. Now, we know that there's no guarantee you wake up. Many people don't, right? But every single night without thinking, we set our alarm clock. Some of us, like me, it's five or six alarms every single day because the alarm clock doesn't work. The point is, what are we doing? In that moment, we're actually hoping. It's not wishing. Because wishing would be, yeah, well, look, if I wake up, I wake up whatever time I wake up at. No, we set an alarm because there's a sense of assurance that even though there's no guarantee, still the, the, ten the, 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 the tendency is, is that I will wake up. And every single day in the simple act of setting an alarm, we see the, the true nature of what it means to hope for something. It's like, yeah, there's no guarantee, but I'm pretty confident 
Like, I, I've got a conviction. I've been waking up every single day since the day I was born. You know what I'm saying? So chances are, I'm pretty confident that I will wake up. And even if you go beyond it, if you're like a really organized person, come on, all people, and you go downstairs or you go to your whatever room you get to change in, and you, you pick your jeans, come on, and your socks, and your T-shirt, maybe you ironed it before, come on, you know you're there, and, and, and you have everything laid out because you do not want any kind of stress in the morning. You also go, come on, there's an end there, is it? Because you go to the kitchen, and your bowl is set out, and your little box of wheat bix and your spoon, and your honey, and, and you want to make sure that in the morning, when you're alarmed, you're one alarm goes off because you're like that, you know, that you're ready. Everything is in place. Every single thing you've done was an act of hope. Now, some of us are hopeless, <laughs> meaning our alarm goes off five or six times. We can't find our jeans. Where's our sock? Oh, no, we've no milk. I mean, where's the spoon? Where's the dog? Where's the child? Where's the car keys? And every single day is like an episode of some famous soap. Irregardless, the point is, <clears throat> the simple act of preparing every night for the next day shows us the nature of hope. That hope, by definition, can't just be wishing. Hope has to have a level of confidence attached to it for it to really be hope. And again, we see this in Scripture because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we're told that faith is confidence. Faith in, is confidence, but in what? Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Like, like faith and hope have this really interesting relationship because one you can't have one without the other faith is confidence in what we hope for that it will be assured in other words what is not seen what currently may not be reality what has not been and maybe right now is not can be it's a confidence that what is not can be because hope is an assurance it's a hope is a guarantee hope is is a promise a pledge hope is is a is a conviction that we can have confidence or our faith can be can be proven true because hope does not disappoint faith is confidence in the promise but hope on the other hand is a guarantee of proof Faith is confidence that what is promised, I will come back, I will purchase this, I will bless you, I will provide for you, I do know, I do have a plan and purpose for your future. Like faith is confidence that what I'm hoping for will be proven true. Very different to the world's hope. Very different to wishful thinking. Because our hope by definition, by nature, is a, is a hope that is confident. See, when we think about believing in people, it's believing in God or believing in one another. When we put our faith in something, our faith in another person, our faith in God, faith is of us. It's our faith in someone else. It's our faith, uh, you know, to, to, to believe, to trust, to want, to desire, to, 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 to have, be confident that what the person is saying can come true. Faith is of us, but biblical hope is of him. Meaning we put our faith in God, our faith, our confidence, our conviction that God is faithful, that God will not lie, that God will not cheat, that God will not let us down, that God will not abandon us. But the reason for our hope comes from Him. Faith originates in us, but hope is of Him. Why? Because the insurance, the guarantee that what we have faith in or what we hope for will come to pass is not something we can manufacture. It doesn't, it doesn't start or, or end with us. It starts and ends in the person of God. So faith speaks of confidence, but hope speaks of assurance, a guarantee that we will not be let down in the end. So, like we're saying, number one, hope appoints. Number two, hope assures. Number three, hope answers. Hope answers. Answers what? Well, whenever doubt 
is ringing your phone, whenever doubt is chasing you down, doubt about life, doubt about the future, doubt about your, your own self-worth, doubt about confidence, whenever doubt is ringing your phone, hope is the one who answers. Because we know, right, doubt has a voice. Isn't it interesting to, to, to think that whenever we're given, given opportunity to maybe speak in front of a group of people or go meet someone or, or go take up a new job, uh, for most of us, the vast majority of us, the first voice in our mind is not a voice of hope, like this will be great, it'll work out, there's assurance, guaranteed. It's actually the voice of doubt. In fact, more often than not, we speak to ourselves, or at least we allow the enemy to speak to us and shape our worldview through the language of doubt. We do this all the time to each other, and we do it as parents. And we need to really think about what are we doing with our words. Again, this is a whole other series. Because we can speak life, and we can speak faith, and we can speak confidence over each other, or we can speak doubt, and we can speak fear, and we can speak uncertainty. And again, as a parent, I think this is crucial. Why? Because when you're parenting your children, especially when they're small, I've really thought a lot about this. When children are trying to take risks, and it could be something as simple as learning to stand from crawling or from crawling to walking or, I don't know, climbing a stairs or whatever it is according to their season age, very often our natural response as parents is to say, don't do it or be careful because you will fall or it's too dangerous or whatever. And not only will we say that, but normally we'll run in and we'll grab them and rescue them from the risk. But let me ask a question. How is that setting our children up for life? Because there's a point where they're going to have to climb something that you won't be there. I mean, of course, metaphorical climbing, not just physical climbing. But they'll have to climb through life, climb through college, climb through relationships. And, and you're not going to be able to be there to tell them, don't do it because it's dangerous. And you certainly won't be there to be able to pick them up. Because if you can pick up your child when he's 30, there's something very wrong. What about as parents if instead we inspire them a hope? Like, be careful. Watch your footing. Think about your grip. Think about your step. Notice that. Notice this. Like, How about we communicate and, and we orient it and we teach our kids to be aware, to be calculative, to be, to be cautious, but also to be confident that you can do this. That you can do this. And again, I'm not saying we'd be negligent as parents or put our kids in situations where the risk is beyond, beyond their ability, but that we actually encourage confidence. We encourage hope. We inspire in them a sense of ability that they can do it. Because just like doubt, doubt speaks. And when doubt speaks up, the question is, who's going to speak something different? And our children come home from a world that is constantly bombarding them with doubt, social media doubt, the news doubt, school doubt, maybe even friends and family doubt. They're looking for a voice of hope a voice of confidence, a voice of conviction, a voice of, of assurance. And when doubt speaks up, hope speaks out. When doubt speaks up, hope speaks out. Because this is what it says in Romans 5. Remember that the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you're someone right now who's a Christ follower, you've placed your faith in Jesus, you trust Him, you love Him, and you're following Him, then the Holy Spirit is within you. So when all the lies and all the nonsense is swirling around you, lying to you, trying to pull you down with doubt, there's another voice, the voice of God, the voice of His Holy Spirit, who speaks hope and life and faith and possibility. And if we would only learn to tune our ears and our hearts and our minds into that voice more, 
Now, of course, if you're here or watching online and you're not a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you, but from, from outside. And he's inviting you to open up your heart and to allow God a place in your life. Because let's be honest, the storm in us is real. And right now, there are so many people struggling in our world. Just, just the other night, I was doing some research on, on what are some of the major fears in our culture. Like, what are, if we were to list some of the most prevalent fears and doubts in our culture, what are they? And when it comes to the questions of the human heart, the, the doubts, the fears that drive us, here are 10, I just shortlisted off, off an article. The first thing people are, are doubtful of or fearful of is change. And think about how much has changed in our world in the last two years. So much has changed. Everything has changed. And naturally speaking, we don't deal very well with change. But also loneliness, failure, rejection, inadequacy. We think about our future. We think about the possibility of pain in our future. We think about inability. We think about uncertainty. And here it is. And when we think about disappointment. People are so full of fear. And they're wishing for the best. They're wishing things. They're just, you know, just casting out, you know, hoping to be lucky that things will, will land fortunately for them. But there's no real confidence. There's no real assurance. There's no real sense of appointment. All there is is a growing sense of disappointment and uncertainty that I won't be able and the pain will be too great and my future won't work out because I'm inadequate. I will be rejected because I'm going to fail. And ultimately I'm going to end up very lonely and I won't be able to cope with all the change. And constantly we're being bombarded. It's in the media. It's in the world. It's in our own ears. This voice of doubt just slowly, slowly but surely wearing us down. But when it comes to the questions of the human heart, change, loneliness, failure, rejection, inadequacy, future pain, inability, uncertainty, and disappointment, I want to tell you something. Hope not only has an opinion, hope has the answer. When it comes to all these things, all the questions of the human heart, not only does hope have an opinion, but hope has the answer. Why? Because hope isn't just some wishful thinking, some emotion, some feeling. Hope, we're told in God's Word, is an anchor for our soul. It's an anchor for our lives. Like when everything around us is being blown and tested and when the waves are crashing and the wind is howling and the storm is raging, we're told that we can have an anchor an anchor for our soul, for our lives, something that just centers us, that when other people's houses and lives and businesses and when our world has been blown and, and turned upside down, that we, even though we're in the same storm, and will be affected to a point by it, we shall not be moved. That, that anchor that we have, that guarantee, that thing that, that holds the other values of faith and community and peace and generosity and love together, is hope. It is the anchor for our soul. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, we have this hope. Now, it isn't just any hope. Our hope in general, our wishing for the best. We have this hope. We have the hope of God, the hope of God's Word, this hope that appoints, this hope that assures, this hope that answers as an anchor for the soul. Watch. It is firm and it is secure. What's, what's the author saying? When the wind of doubt whispers in our ears, impossible. You're never going to be able. You're always going to be lonely. You're never going to be accepted. You're never going to be able to, 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 to um, what's the word, to endure the pain. You're never going to, that future, that dream, that desire, it's never going to, whenever doubt whispers impossible, the word of hope answers. 
all things are possible. Not because we can make all things possible, because faith is of us. We, we, we put our faith in God, but because hope is assured by him. It's guaranteed by the one in whom we have our faith. When the world says, that's impossible, you'll never be able to, hope says all things are possible to those who believe. It was the uh, rocket scientist. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, of course, to get this, but it's always good to quote one. It was the rocket scientist, Robert H. Goddard, who was the first man to successfully launch a rocket, who said, it is difficult to say what is impossible. For the dream of yesterday is the hope of today and the reality of tomorrow. What he's talking about, he isn't speaking in a faith sense, but he's just talking about in a general sense, that it's almost like we can't define for certain, especially from a scientific point of view, what's impossible. Because we, we have so many examples of things that were supposed to have been impossible be made possible. And not, a lot of times, even without God's help, we've seen people break records and do things like launch rockets that seemed impossible with limited human power. How much more, how much more possible are things when we have God, when we are rooted and established in Him, when we have Him as the anchor for our soul, when we have His Holy Spirit speaking into our lives words of wisdom, words of confidence, when what we missed and what we lacked in our own earthly parents in terms of belief and affirmation and conviction we now have in our Father God. We look at the future and think about all the challenges about you know, our inadequacies and our fear of failure and all the other things that come with doubt. When we look, to, when we look towards God, the creator of the world, the, fa the fa Father of the universe, think about all the resources in Him. And we think about our future. Man, the Christian hope that we're talking about today, it's different to the hope we know. It's not like, oh yeah, well, that's great. I hope, I wish for the best. No, no, it's a certainty. It's an assurance. It's a confidence. It's a conviction. That even though all things around us are crazy, all things within us are crazy, we have an anchor for our soul. And it isn't just for church on Sunday. And it isn't just for when you graduate college or you launch your business or your, you know, your, artist, your, your, your artist recognized. It's for when you're on your deathbed and your body is failing you and your time is coming to an end. That even then, even in the face of death, you can have confidence in the assurance, the guarantee that what you've hoped for because of who your hope is in will not be let down. When the world says it's impossible, Hope says all things are possible to those who believe in God. So as we close then, the question is, what, what is the hope that centers us in our crazy world? And here's the truth. Here's the bottom line, not only for this message, but for the entire series. Because the root of faith and the root of community and the root of peace and the root of our generosity and the root of love and the root of, of, of hope has a name. Hope isn't just a value. Hope isn't just a, a, a truth. Hope is a person. That person is Jesus. And when our hope is in Jesus, when our lives are staked in Him, when our souls are anchored in the person of Jesus, because He can never be let down, because He can never be defeated, because He can never lie or cheat, because He will never abandon us or forsake us, because we are rooted and established and anchored in the person of Jesus, our hope 
will not let us down. It is an assurance. It is a conviction. It is a confidence, not in the world or life or wishing for the best, but in the person and power of Jesus. Why, as we look, close our, our series, we look at Hebrews 7, verse 18, 19. It's why the former regulations, the old religious systems, all the things that we tried to put our hope in and have failed us were set aside because they were weak and useless. Here we see a better hope has been introduced. And a better hope isn't a new religion, isn't a new way of worshiping, it isn't a new liturgy, it isn't a new style, it isn't a new church or denomination. The better hope that has been introduced is Jesus. And when we come to Jesus and trust in Jesus, and when we accept Jesus, and when we root our lives in Jesus, we can draw near to God. So even though in our very finite existence, we can have very practical hope for life and health and marriage and school and all these things, ultimately, the hope that we have in God, the relationship that we can have with God, lasts infinitely and eternally forever. And I want to encourage you as we close off this series, I want to encourage you, I want to ask you this question as we think about all these values and all the last weeks and all the messages. Will you put your hope in Jesus? If you're here and you're not a Christ follower, you're someone who's been curious and, and watching and coming along and we're so glad and really hope that you feel comfortable. But I want to challenge you now. Would you at least give Jesus a chance? Would you put your hope in him? Would you lift up your anchor from whatever you've anchored yourself to, money, wealth, you know, gain, affirmation, careers, whatever it is, and will you, will you sink your anchor? Will you, will, you, will, you, will you tie yourself? Will you attach yourself? Will you root yourself? Will you establish yourself? Will you give yourself to Jesus? Will you put your hope in him? And will you then, by doing so, move from wishful thinking to having assurance and confidence that what you hope for will be possible because for God, nothing's impossible. But I want to also ask you, if you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian and you know God, you love God, you've been serving God, I'm asking you, will you keep your hope in Jesus? Because it's so easy, isn't it? It's so tempting sometimes to, 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 to move on, to find other things to anchor our lives to. Many of you right now, come on, you know that your story is one of you've anchored yourself to other things and when the storms came, they weren't able to hold you. They weren't able to center you. And so much of the pain and regret in your life has come as the result of being let down because you're anchored to the wrong things. I want to ask you today to make a commitment, a recommitment, to once again keep yourself anchored to the person of Jesus. As we close off this series, this is why next week we start a brand new series called Secret Sauce. Because what does it look like to stay anchored to Him every single day? What is the power that is available to us in daily devotion, in being connected to God relationally every single day? This is how we stay anchored to Him every single day. And I want to really encourage you to be here starting next Sunday. But as we close this series, I want us to pray. I want us to pray for God's help. I want us to pray that we, because of our faith, our confidence in Him, will be in community, make a commitment to be in church and be in a connect group. Because we need practical help from human beings to help us stay anchored. But also that by doing so, we'll experience His peace, which is not circumstantial. As, we're, as we have faith in community, as we're being filled with God's peace, that we will become more generous, thinking less of ourselves and more of others. And in our generosity, will we not only release but also receive the love of God, which we can count on because God's love will never let us down. And in doing all these things, would God's hope, this quiet, confident assurance 
that the person we hope in and the things we hope for will not be in vain because God's hope is worthy of our trust. I want to pray that we would not only talk about that hope or hear about it, but we would live it out every single day. And starting next Sunday, that we will be able to take practical steps, daily steps, baby steps for most of us to be able to experience that hope on a daily basis. Imagine what, just imagine with me. Can you imagine what it's like every single morning to wake up and think about your day and rather than having immediate feelings of hope, of hopelessness and of fear and worry and doubt, just having this quiet confidence that I can have hope today because nothing is impossible for God. I want that. I know you want that. We want that. Let's pray that God will help us get there today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we are so grateful that you could join us today. We really hope and pray that you were encouraged, that you feel blessed by this message. And you know what would really help us? If you could click the like button and also subscribe to our channel because we want to get this message across Ireland and the world and that would really, really help us. So please go and do that. Um, and also to let you know that you can watch and listen to previous messages and find out a whole bunch of stuff on our website, Lighthouse Church. And something else that's really cool, Jake. Tell us about something else. Today. Yes, guys, we have a brand spanking new Lighthouse Church app. Yeah. So make sure to go download it on our website, or you can download it via the app stores. And there's a lot of cool things in there. You can rewatch previous messages, and there's also some downloadable content for you guys. So make sure to download the Lighthouse Church app. And there's also the Old Fashioned Bible on it. Bible is so important. So, and you know what? Even better than this experience today that we've had is church in person. It's just so good. We meet every Sunday morning in Navin and in Dublin. You can find out all the information on our website, uh, but it's at 11 a.m. every Sunday in person, and we have the best time. So come join us. Uh, we would love to have you with us. So we'll see you next week for Lighthouse Church Online, 7 p.m. Yes. right here. And also, don't forget to follow our social media handles, lighthousechurch.ie. So we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.